for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we're back at it again with another amazing livecast. Today, we have a very special guest. He's the first person we've ever had that's based out of Southeast Asia, so I'm really excited about this. We have Izzy from Izzy's Caravan. How's it going today? How's it going, man? Glad to be here, dude. Uh, you know. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. Uh, first off, I want to thank you so much uh, for jumping in and uh, taking time with us. I say this morning, but it's really this evening for you. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's it. The time difference is always interesting because you're at different parts of the day. And it, you know, it's yeah. just especially when it's like a huge time difference, and it's like, oh, I'm just getting out of bed, trying to wake <laughs> up, and you're like, oh, I'm just trying to come down and rewind from the day it's like just two different wavelengths but it's always a good time so i'm really excited to have you here yeah but, but it's awesome you know because it's it's a, it's a zoom world we're in now right i mean yeah. zoom is pretty much uh the dominant sort of means of communication man so so i'm here man sporting my new haircut uh you know doing this interview and it's it's awesome man i mean you know at least at least it keeps us connected and all this lockdown shutdowns and yeah all this stuff that we're going through right now it's, it's cool it's really yeah. awesome and thank you for having me man uh, yeah um, thank you for jumping on you know and it you touched on a very interesting point that zoom has kind of connected this world in, or connected our world in a time that we're very isolated and it's like if it wasn't for zoom i'd probably be going stir crazy right now because they i can't go into my office they got me working remotely and I can't go see my family because my sister lives up in Chicago, which is like 20 hours away. My parents live down in Florida, which is 20 hours away. And I can't easily go wow. see them. And then all my friends live anywhere from two to eight hours away. So it's just kind of like, okay, oh, so here, yeah. so here I am, you know, and Zoom's really kind of been that platform that's been like, okay, cool. Now we can connect you with all all these people yeah you know it, it, it all you know someday I, i'm a, i'm a severe introvert by the way right yeah. and all my buddies know this and all you know the fact that even for someone like me this is ultimately becoming a little bit tedious now in the sense like come on man I, even i want to get out right i'm, I'm not like a, you know to me my life is you know i'll go to work whatever do my stuff go home mm-hmm. And ultimately, sort of isolate myself in the studio anyway. Yeah. Even I'm coming to that point where, I mean, you have good days and bad days. I mean, uh, yeah, like yesterday, yesterday was a rough day, right? I mean, you know, you've got all this this new record out. And there's, you know, it, it's, there's this whole sort of online debate about should you be releasing new records right now? Should you hold on to them? And, uh, and so... Uh, so, you know, at, at one point, I actually even, even emailed uh, Michael, who's literally like my guardian angel as far as my music goes, right? He's my, my uh, promotion, publicist, everything. Um, 
manage everything, right? And I was like, man, what is going on? Like, I mean, it's, you know, if this record, this new record is, is, is everything that that means to me, and it's just not doing as, you know, in a sense, like, wow, what's happening, man? I mean, so it's it's tough, man. It's it's tough on everybody, right? Yeah. Um, so, so the point being that even as a severe introvert, even I'm feeling yeah. uh, this train of it, right? Where the burden of it, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's it's interesting that you bring that up because I've talked, I talk to a lot of people that are really introverted and they're, when they, now that we're like 90 days in, almost four months, I guess at this point yeah. of being isolated, it's like, maybe I'm not as introverted as I thought. You know, because it's like I miss being able to go to the bar and listen to musician A play a solo acoustic set. You know, I miss being able to do that. And right now we're starting to be able to, but they're only letting like a handful of people in because a lot of these places don't have a big capacity as far as like fire codes and what have you. And so, like, if you're not there, like, right at the start time, you're probably not going to get in because they've only got, like, a 20 or 30 person capacity, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, because we're so, again, we're so conditioned to just getting out, you know, a night out of, you know, beer and chicken wings, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's just something that that we do, right? And suddenly when you, you know, you put barriers on basic human movement. It's yeah. ultimately going to play out in, that, in some degree of uh, that psychosocial effect is going to be uh, is going to inevitably uh, catch on, right? Yeah. Struggle with it. Yeah. Yeah. And like it, it's got it actually has me kind of excited as we are. Um, kind hopefully getting to a point where people are starting to get back out and bars are starting to open back up. I think at least for a good month or two, there's going to be a nice rush where these independent musicians, if they can get in and play, there's going to be a huge rush on people that just want to get out and see and do stuff. So that's going to be really exciting. But on the other hand, you've also got a good majority, at least here in America, you got a good majority of people that haven't been working and been strapped for cash because, you know, they haven't been working for three months. But yeah, that's that, that's the that's the paradox of this entire situation, right? Where, well, I mean, not that you know, but for some reason, the other day, um, this you know, I was just watching YouTube and stuff, and it was an autoplay, and all these videos just showed up right and one of them was Eddie Trunk of all people talking about you know uh, so I, I don't know what it was and I guess one interview asked him he said should you release new music now and he said no just hang on right because nothing's happening and uh, and it was I mean you know agree or disagree but he had an interesting take on it where he was like uh, ultimately even when things start reopening to to uh, regular levels prior COVID-19. He said, look, man, uh, nobody's really vying in the sense like the politicians and stuff, you know, to them, 
concerts are not that big of a deal, right? Mm-hmm. And that's probably going to be one of the last things they would probably open, right? Um, you don't want 50,000, 60,000 people sort of and stuff. And I was like scratching my head. And, and the fact that he said that don't release any new music, um, and the fact that I've, I've just released my, you know, new record, which to me is my identity record, right? It was, it was such a tough decision, right? And uh, the fact that, you know, by all accounts, had things been normal, we'd probably be on tour right now, supporting yeah. this record. Um, but we can't. So, you know, it, it's that coming to terms with the, the sort of political reality and the, the fact that there's a certain profession. You know, it's a, you know, it's not that easy for us anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Let alone the fact that now we can't even go on tour. Right or promote these records, or you know, it's, uh, you know, with your big top tier companies sort of now yeah. taking such levels. I mean, I don't know if you read up on Live Nation and the new policies that they've instituted for live live shows. Now, so it's it's so it's becoming so much harder for musicians anyway. And I do really hope that the first scenario that you pointed out uh, works out because if anything, I mean, independent bands. In an independent musician, really need uh, an injection of some degree of enthusiasm, some degree of, uh, you know, yeah, ga- gasoline that yeah. inevitably people go out and watch them play. So I hope it works out, man. Because, yeah. uh, stuff, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and to kind of touch on uh, some of the stuff that you were just mentioning, I, it's it's hard because it's like should musicians be releasing music right now absolutely yeah. i i'm in a hundred percent opposite field of that i think musicians should be releasing music right now like there's never been it and to kind of caveat that i guess it would be depending on what your your main driving factor is if you are a musician that you are a touring musician that's how you make your money. That's how, you know, whatever. Yeah, maybe kind of play it careful because if you're not touring, you know, but if you're a social media musician or a radio play musician or a Spotify musician, and that's kind of your bubble, right. you need to kick it into overdrive. You need to be Absolutely. releasing music once a day, once every other day, you know, what, however fast you can kind of get music out there. So it just kind of depends on what your main drawing or what your main priority is. If your priority is just getting out and doing shows, you have to approach it one way, because if you're not out playing shows and people aren't looking for you, then maybe hold off on making music. But if you're like, really present on social media and you're really got a big following and stuff like that, you probably should be releasing music regularly, regularly or semi-regularly, at least throughout the pandemic. But then, you know, know, sorry, no, I was just going to say, but then on the other hand, not every musician has the ability to 
do an at-home studio to record their own music or they weren't in the studio before the pandemic hit. So, you know, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ifs, ifs, you know, that, um, that could be taking effect. So, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and, and absolutely, you know, I'm, I'm with you on the same, you know, literally I'm on the same page with you on this. Um, I, I honestly think, uh, yes, you'll have good days and bad days, right? And, you know, Tom Petty said it, sang it the best when he said, you know, some days a diamond, some days a rock, right? But I think, um, do I have any apologies of releasing this record um, in this era where, you know, we can't support it, we can't tour on it? Uh, none whatsoever, man, because I, you know, this is... Uh, ultimately this is who we are and, and we'll keep releasing records, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in fact, so much so we, uh, we went back and uh, we're like, look, we're stuck. We can't tour on this. So, you know what? Let's just keep recording. So we did this really amazing, uh, uh, at least we think it's amazing, but uh, a really great rendition of uh, Woody Guthrie's uh, I Ain't Got No Home and we can release a video on its own. Uh, in fact, just tonight we're getting together and recording uh, uh, you know, a really unique sort of bluesy version of, uh, you know, You Are My Sunshine, uh, yeah. which is just, you know, just to raise money for uh, uh, for animal rights. And, stuff. and uh, so, so I do, I completely agree with you. I think this is such a great moment uh, for artists and musicians, particularly to, uh, to really sort of take an introspective look at themselves and say, look, um, we're stuck at home. A, why don't we start composing more and more stuff, right? I mean, uh, people are trying, you know, people are stuck at home. Yes, live shows, whatnot, they can't access them. So, you know what? Maybe this might be a good opportunity where we can get our music out yeah. and, uh, and have developed sort of a more organic audience base, right? And second of all, uh, you know, I think it's a really, really, really good opportunity for uh, anybody, anyone, right? Whether you want to be a musician, whether you want to be a writer, whether you want to be a poet, whether you want to be an artist or a fine, anything, get back, mm-hmm. you know, find that inner kid in you yeah, and bring that kid out. Yeah. Right. I'm look, man, I did that, right? And I took this gamble. And I'm proud of the fact that I took this gamble, right? Everyone's like, all right, well, how are you going to sell blues rock records today in 2020? Yeah. Right? Especially when you're basing your music on traditional music, right? So, I mean, if I was to define my own music, it's literally, I say, if, you know, earlier Smith had a, uh, and Johnny Winter had a baby, then that's what my records sound like, right? And I'm very proud of saying that. I mean, I'm not saying there's any way as good as that, but that's my inspiration, right? Um, but hey, you want to write a book? You want to write a you know collection of poetry? This is the opportunity. Find yourself, yeah, right, uh, and dig deep, introspectively. I think this, you know, this is a great opportunity for people to go beyond the daily grind that yeah. we're so conditioned to. Yeah. So conditioned to. And really, when you take that introspective look at yourself, 
take a Sunday off, take a Monday off, right? If you're working from home, maybe take an hour and say, what was that one thing I thought I was really good at? And try it. What's the harm? There's no harm now. No. Nothing. And we have all the digital tools, you know, even people who can't master produce records, learn it, right? I mean, all these softwares, the big debate, right? I mean, you know, digital music is replacing that level of sort of traditional ways that music is produced. So learn it, right? That's, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool that you're a musician. I produce, master everything myself, right? Good or for bad. Um, but I learned it and, and I do it myself. So, so take the gamble and go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's just a really good time to kind of figure out, like you mentioned, what, what it is that you really want to do and even build that authentic connection because it's like, right now everybody's vulnerable like everybody's like i mean to varying degrees but everybody's pretty much in the same place everybody's on an equal playing field right now Mm -hmm. you know and so like if you want to which will this will kind of lead into my next or one of our favorite questions that we like to ask during the pandemic but trying to push yourself creatively like especially with musicians there's been several musicians that are listening to new music and drawing influence like they're a traditional rock band and they started listening to blues music and they're starting to bring in blues riffs or reggae riffs or you know you know different feelings so are what are you kind of doing right now to challenge yourself musically during the pandemic Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, see, we got this record done and, uh, you know, again, I mean, not sort of shamelessly plug my own music. But, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I mean, to me, On the Pole, which is the the, the the latest record that we came out with, this to me is my, you know, not to sort of compare or, or drawing an analogy, this is my favorite child, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've technically I've had three children, which is Leo's guitar in December 2019 and Zephyr's February 2020, and now I've got On the Pole in June. So I've been really prolific that way, right? Where I've released three records in the span of six months. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is if you know, it's like it's like call me a good parent, bad parent, whatever. This is my favorite child. Uh, this and this is gonna be my favorite child till. For decades on from here, man. I mean, you know, we, you and I can speak 15, 20 years from now, and I'm always going to look back at this record and say, this was the record where I made my statement. Right? Yeah. I mean, to me, this is, uh, not, again, not comparing, but this is to me when Aerosmith released Rocks, right? Mm-hmm. And now we look back at Rocks and say, wow, that's like the quintessential American rock record, right? Yeah. Um, so, so to me, this, so in terms of challenge, um, uh, yeah, look to any and all artists right out there, right. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, like I said, you know, some days are 
some days are diamond, some days are rock, right? Some days you're going to be looking at yourself and you'll question yourself saying, wow, what am I doing with my life, right? This is not going to go anywhere. Um, that's okay. You're, you're allowed to have those days. Right? I, I think it's justified for any musician in 2020 to ask themselves, look at themselves, look at themselves in the mirror and say, look, can I have this day? Yes, you can. Right? You're allowed to do that. Because when you put your blood, sweat, and tears into the record, and I mean, no offense to anyone, but when you know three chord hacks on YouTube are playing Unchained Melody for the, you know, for the thousandth, time and getting three, you know, millions of hits. And you question yourself, right? Say, well, you know, I developed something. I created something. I built something based on an, on an ideology, based on a passion. And I'm struggling. And, and, and these guys who can even barely pick up the guitar are getting, that's okay, right? You're allowed to have that day. You're allowed to question yourself. But get over it and get over it fast, right? Build an organic base. Uh, challenge yourself, right? Like I said, you know, uh, it, it was really interesting. I mean, uh, we recorded this record and we went back. And, you know, I'm a big Woody Guthrie, Pete Seeger. I love these guys, right? You know, old Dylan and stuff, you know, when Dylan started. Um, so despite sort of, you know, identifying myself as a blues musician. I mean, I love that whole, whole country music, right? And so we ended up recording, uh, like, I, like I mentioned earlier, we ended up recording a version of Woody Guthrie's I Ain't Gotten Home, right? So we, you know, we figured, you know, we'll make a nice video out of it, release it. Um, and then just the other day, um, we were sort of having like a mini rehearsal session and, um, Believe it or not, I mean, you are my sunshine, right? You know, we started jamming on that, and we came up with like a really interesting bluesy sort of version of it. And we said, you know what? Let's just record it and let's see if we can help out some uh, some organizations, uh, you know, release it as a single, as a video, and help out some organizations uh, for animal rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because a couple of stories that I read up, I'm big on animal uh, animal rights. Yeah. So, uh, so I said, you know, maybe we can sort of do it. Challenged uh, our identity as a rough, raucous, dirty blues rock blues band. Yeah. Um, but that's okay, right? As long as there's some level of authenticity, we're not trying to, you know, it's, it was. It's all about you know just putting on putting out music on YouTube. Saying, all right, follow me. Where you know I've just covered it all, but putting it for a purpose. Right. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. Put it out there for a purpose. It's all my song. Right. You're my sunshine. It's all my song. Or, you know, I ain't got no song. But that's okay. If I can make something out of it and help somebody right now, then that's cool. Yeah. Uh, but then, equally so, I mean, last night, I literally, I was like, all right, I'm already laying down the riffs for my fourth record, which I want out by December. And this time, I really want to sort of build on uh, on the pole and say, all right, how much more angrier can I get in terms of blues rock? Yeah. How much rough around the edges can I get? 
Right. And so again, you know, I dive deep into bands that I love, right? I mean, I'll be, you know, Johnny Winter, Buddy Guy, uh, uh, you know, Lightning Hopkins, all these guys, right? And I'll say, all right, well, what can I get out from them that I can really make this next record even more, you know, uh, sort of firing on all cylinders than the previous one. Mm-hmm. So challenge, it, it's all about developing that challenge. Now asking yourself, how much, how can I really push the envelope further? And that's okay. You're allowed to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously, well, we, we've been talking about it often and or teasing it a lot throughout the entire podcast so far, but you got a new EP on the poll, which released June 10th, I believe. Yeah. Just, yeah. June 10th. Uh, June 17th. Yeah. Um, so what was kind of the process when you sat down was like, okay, we're ready to kind of start working on this album. Um, did you specifically have songs already written for it or did you, just kind of start pulling songs from a catalog. What, what was kind of the process when you sat down to? You know, um, for a prior I, I, and to contextualize it really, so, so the audience really understands what it was. You know, in in December two thousand nineteen, I released Leo's guitar, right, which was sort of my initial break into the music industry. Yeah. Back after literally, I think a decade or so, right? I left music. Um when my last band in 2006, 2007 disbanded, I didn't want any part of music anymore. Yeah. Um, because um, the sort of commercialization of the guitar, um, you know, rock and roll. I mean, I always say I have two loves in my life, which are uh, rock and roll and philosophy. Uh, and it was, you know, I used to sort of joke around with my, myself that, you know, rock and roll is dead and philosophy never really took hold of anything, right? I mean, it, it's an obsolete discipline now, I, tragically. But um, so I left music and I came back and just a couple of years back, I started, you know, just playing again. And once I got back into it, um, I released Leo's guitar, which literally came out of uh, just the fact that as a child, I wanted to collect guitar. And uh, so, so anyway, Leo's guitar comes out and a few months later, Zephyrs comes out and uh, it's a it's a much more melancholic ballady record which I don't know if I really sometimes I look back at it and I'm like oh man what did I do right mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but it is what it is right I, I have to bear the cross now and um, but for this one on the pole um, it had to be reflective of who I am and there was a defensive conscientious rationale behind it and I said this record has to tell the audience this is what Izzy's Caravan is it's a blues rock band and so I think the biggest boost that I got I mean, uh, yeah, Buddy Guy, Lightning Hopkins, I love these guys to death, right? Um, early Aerosmith, I mean, I will always say, I mean, 
hey, I got my Joe Perry t-shirt on, right? The first five, six early Aerosmith records mean everything to me. But what really sort of really pushed me above and beyond everything was um, I was fortunate enough to dig deep into the Johnny Winter catalog. And I think um, his work and his catalog uh, is truly the blueprint that we have now for defining what Izzy's caravan. And it's a just, ultimately, it's just uh, a rough rock blue band. Based on traditional instruments, we're not trying anything different. We're not trying anything new. But I honestly believe, and it's a rallying cry, right? If any blues rock band, rock band, classic rock band are listening, right? We always sit and complain, man, that, oh, rock is dead, rock is dead. Gene Simmons is rock is dead. Uh, hey, Gene, let me tell you, Jim Morrison said that in the 1960s, right? Uh, you know, and he's a, I mean, it's a rallying cry. You, you want that back. Mm-hmm. Fine. I'm not saying that we're the only ones, but give us a boost. Help us, right? Yeah. We're, um, we're honestly trying to fill that void. I'm not saying I'm Johnny Winter. But I'm saying that his, uh, the history that he has set, or whether it's Stevie Ray or whether it's Clapton, or, that's what we're trying to emulate. Not mimic, but emulate. So it's a bit of a rallying cry, man. I mean, every time I hear rock fans, blues rock fans saying rock is dead, rock is dead, we got nothing, then come out and support us. Help us. Yeah. Because there are people like myself who are saying, you know what, I, I'm a fan more before a musician. Help us be that band, right? That, that, mm-hmm. that boy that you guys want to hear. So, uh, so that was the rationale behind this record. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so, where did you end up? Uh, did you record it in Southeast Asia, or where did you record on the pool? Yeah, I have a studio here, so uh, so I pretty much do everything myself. Uh, um, and again, it's uh, again thanks to technology, where now you can literally uh, you know, uh, pick up these things pretty fast. So I would never sort of uh, elevate myself to, to the, the big producers and the engineers of the day. But um, I just was fortunate enough to have all the technology by which I could sort of manufacture this stuff in my in my studio. And, uh, and I did. And it was beautiful. You know, it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, um, sometimes, you know, and recently I got a question. Like, what, what is the best and the worst part of the recording process? Yeah. And I think it's the same ultimately when the final song is finished, you know, because prior to that, right, it's the, it's the worst part because you have to go through every single element of the mixing, the mastering, laying down the tracks. Oh, no, this is not getting there. So, so, and it's also the best part um, because when, that, when you hear that finished version, 
that's your little baby right there, right? That's your child. And then you're looking at him, you listen to it going, wow, we all started with a simple lick yeah. or a riff. And now it's this complete sort of you know, record, yeah? Was this the first um, album that you've recorded on your own or have you, or you pretty much record all your stuff by yourself? Yeah, I, I record everything by myself. I'm, I'm, I'm a real stickler when it comes to uh, production uh, because um, ultimately it's, it's all up here. Uh, I literally manufacture this stuff in, in, in my consciousness. And, uh, and I think it goes back to just being a music fan where you know, as a four-year-old kid, you know, being exposed to Pink Floyd, and Dire Straits, and all these bands by my dad, I think I had that conditioning process very early. So so I know that, all right, this, you know, and literally I, I ultimately first plays out in my head and that's when I sort of start building up. Cool. Um, what's one of the things that you've learned as a, like on a, the technical side, what's one thing that you've learned recording your own music? Uh, technically, um, well, I'd say uh, I've made a lot of errors, even on the Zephyr's uh, record, that, that some tracks are just like way out of depth, right? I mean, it's pretty, pretty tragic when I listen to them. Um, uh, but I, I guess for this one, I sort of, uh, I, I think ultimately, like life, uh, a lot of this process is trial by error, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I think you have to make mistakes before uh, before you really sort of recognize, uh, you know, uh, sonic capabilities and uh, how, uh, you know, that, that sort of audio actually operates in terms of... Because, look, the, the world has changed as well, right? I mean, gone are the days when you released a vinyl or something along those lines, right? Um, ultimately, we're dealing with mp3 as being this uh this dominant format now which is also very challenging right because now it's not like people are listening to this stuff uh it's ultimately catering to the phone as being the ultimate medium of uh of music so uh so so it's also balancing that aspect out right um but i do really try to preserve some degree of traditionalism, at least when recording where um, I'm not a fan of overly produced, overindulgent records, mm-hmm. right? Um, like, you know, I, like the Def Leppard model, right? Where it's just like so perfect, right? Which I'm, I'm not a fan of that stuff. Yeah. And uh, I like the raw absolute spont- spontaneity yeah. right and i think i got that from listening to light and hopkins and uh, johnny winter again you see you hear uh, you're like oh i see what he did there you know that there's an error or but it it's okay that's yeah. that's what blues is supposed to be right we were never supposed to be perfectionists and yeah. uh, and so so i think that as as a especially light and hopkins record I take his records as a platform for how I want to produce my. Uh, it's got to be raw. It's got to be authentic. And if 
that's okay. If there's a couple of slip, slip up here or there, I want that human aspect, right? Because we're not machines. I like the humanity behind the track. Yeah. yeah. It, it, like, and there's something to be said for the ability to be able to play or do and record live, like that live feeling. There's just some mu- some bands, some musicians, you just cannot recreate a live feeling. Yeah. And so like, same as you, I really appreciate and enjoy the live recording you know like even if it's a fake live setup in the studio where everybody's just playing at the same time there's just an authenticity that you can't recreate and it kind of harkens back to the day back when like you know a lot of these old blues musicians it was five guys sitting around one microphone and then when their solo came up they just played into the mic you know and there's just a there's a certain level of authenticity, a certain level of imperfection. And, you know, the, I, this goes back to conversation or the podcast I was having. Yes, I think it was yesterday or it was Friday. There's a difference between being imperfect and not rehearsed. And you, yeah. can, tell, you can tell the difference. So, like, in my opinion, oh, like, because there's definitely a lot of musicians, like, they'll cut a song short or they'll restart a song because they missed a chord or their the the, one of the chords was slightly out of tune but then there are other ones where they'll finish the song and be like oh well let me retune this really quick because that was slightly out of tune and it's like there that's imperfect whereas if they just miss like a whole bunch of chords throughout the entire song it's like you're not imperfect you're not rehearsed there's a difference you know yeah yeah and and that's uh i mean if you if you honestly uh believe it or not um the one thing that i do really pride myself on is if any of my records that you hear um all my solos for example guitar solos are purely on the spot recording uh if you go back to the leo's guitar ep uh leo's guitar the blues track itself um is a pure pure spontaneous play and you know then there's a really funny uh, story behind that is when i first recorded it that was the first song that actually got me back into music and i said okay you know what this and it was funny i was like all right well i've got this track so now i'm gonna you know redo multiple tracks and you know play multiple solos and, and what you hear on the record honestly man is the first authentic um uh track that that was that i recorded just as uh, a way of getting back into music and that's what it is and i'm very proud of it because um that's what i believe it means to be right you just take it for what it is and you let it ride uh and that's what i learned from lightning hawkins right we, we listen to his records and you know he's just going off right um and there's it's unapologetic and it's raw and it's honest mm-hmm. and i love the word that you keep using because i i completely uh mirror the same authenticity yep yep right be authentic right yep. i hate overproduced stuff i i genuinely don't like it yep. right just be who you are man um you know and ultimately you know part of the reason uh honestly why i fell in 
fell out of love with the guitar was when you had this degree of these virtuos, virtuoso was these guys ripping up the fretboard, yeah. right? And, blah, 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 and yeah, you're just like, what are you saying? And see, to me, a music instrument is conversation, right? And by conversation, I mean, I can listen to Mark Knopfler today or uh, David Gilmore or something. And what they say in two or three notes is so powerful that, you know, somebody who's whipping down the fretboard at 16 notes, it doesn't mean anything to me. I'd rather speak, I'd rather converse with someone who has meaning mm. behind what they want to say rather than someone who speaks really fast. You've got beautiful motor skills. Yeah. What are you saying? Right. Yeah. So, so to me, I, I, you know, and it's okay if people disagree with me. That's okay. I, I don't take any credit away from these guys who are playing like 10, 12 hours a day, and it's all about speed, 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 speed. Look at how fast they play. Um, and I had somebody call me out and they were like, oh, look, you know, look at me, you know, look at my brother. He plays this fast, and you don't play this fast. And I said. That's okay. Man. Uh, you know, I don't want to play that fast, right? Uh, I play to what the song wants, and that's yeah. it, right? Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I, I get that level of authenticity that you're speaking about, for sure. Yeah, and you know, it, it took me a long time to really come to that conclusion in music because, like, I've been doing the live and amplified thing for it'll be five years in November, so it was literally within the last 90 days that I've really started to come to that conclusion that authenticity is going to win the music industry because we started talking to um, country musicians in the UK. And so like when you think of the UK, you don't necessarily think of country music. And I was talking to this one guy and he was like, yeah, we're, you know, we're really starting to find our sound right now. We're just trying to be authentic to who we are because when you come when you think of the UK, you don't think of cowboy boots, big trucker hats, or big trucks and shooting whiskey, because that's not what our country yeah. music is, yeah. or that's not what country is here. And so we're just really trying to find a way to kind of be authentic to ourselves without being a poser, because we don't know what that life is like. Now, obviously, that's how countries perceived in America, but that's not how it is here in the UK. So it's, it was just really interesting. And after that conversation, it's like, he struck, he struck me like really powerfully that authenticity is going to win the music industry because everybody, you know, you, you look at musicians that are have like long lasting success, not just like big success, just long lasting who do it over the course of decades, you know, that have been around for 10, 20 years. And a lot of their music is just off, started off as authentic to them. And then as they kind of transform because their life changes or whatever, the music kind of transforms with them and they have a certain level of authenticity with them. And people believe everything that they're saying because they actually experience that stuff. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, it's uh, it's ultimately, I mean, uh, not to sort of uh, draw in uh, a whole sort of uh, host of pop culture, pop culture debate here, yeah. but, uh, you know, 
uh, and I don't want to sort of offend anyone, but, uh, but it's personally what I believe. I mean, uh, uh, being a big DC fan, so I'm sort of uh, exposing my bias right now. Yeah. But when you look at all what Disney did to Star Wars, yeah, or yeah. what uh, uh, Disney did to Marvel, for example, yeah. it's 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 utter degradation of the authenticity of what these what these meant for 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 people who were honest Star Wars fans or uh, comic book readers or whatnot. I mean, if you tell me that comic book readers are going to say that Marvel movies are somehow um, a good representation of what the comics are, I mean, I'm pretty certain that the, the authentic comic readers will probably be like, what are you talking about? This is Disneyfied, utterly utter nonsense, right? Yeah. Um, it is not anything that represents comic books, for example. Yeah. Right. It is. It's. It's utter. It, like I said, it's the utter degradation of the of an art form that pre-existed and somehow became a big monster. Uh, but the the great thing is, I mean, uh, you know. Now you have these pseudo intellectual DC versus Marvel debates. You know, people will inevitably, I mean, the record shows that uh, DC is still a far bigger company when it comes down to comic books and stuff. But that's what the medium is. That's the authentic medium. Mm-hmm. Film isn't, yeah. right? Uh, Disney isn't, right? Uh, Star Wars to me, it was the first movie I ever saw, right? To me, Star Wars will always be, you know, the first three, right? Yes. I don't agree with what Disney, I mean, it was just a fiasco, right? I've yeah. never seen the first. I mean, there was literally uh, an insult to my childhood, right? Yeah. Uh, equally so, going back to music as well, I hope at some point, see, at least in film, we're seeing a movement come out saying, you know what, don't challenge our nostalgic, you know, the, the, the authenticity of what the medium was, right? Stop degrading it. Um, I hope inevitably we see that in music as well. Um, because music, honestly, man, I mean, again, agree or disagree, I think music to a large part has been brought down to the level of just um, jingles, right? I mean, we're borderline arbitrary advertisement jingles, right? Yeah. Um, and I come from, uh, I unashamedly come from the, the, the school of, uh, you know, the Jim Morrisons and the, the, you know, that level of authenticity of the blues tradition or whatnot, where, yes, of course, nobody saying that we don't want to be popular, we don't want people listening to our music and stuff, but fact of the matter is, blues or what I play is not a popular uh, uh, you know genre right I mean Buddy Guy recently started his own record uh, his own radio because he, he himself said he said look nobody listens to blues I mean it's unfair right because how in the world can you have you know whether you take the Grammys or what how can you have blues relegated to a non you know a, a broadcasted format yeah right yeah. Oh, oh my god dude i mean this is where blues and country both 
this is where that American culture. Yeah. How in the world can you degrade that culture to that level, right? And yeah. There you go. We'll just give you your award at a non-broadcasting setting. Do your, do your, look at your own history. Blues and country news is what you are. It could have only originated in America based on your um, uh, political ideals. We got it from you. The history you set for us was is phenomenal. Good or for bad, explore your own culture. It is your, you gave us the two most critical facets of music, truth, in the country. Of blues and country with so much history and it's literally that's the music that truly originated from human experiences more than anything else and how can you relegate these two formats to nothingness is yeah. the tragedy of music and I hope that you know sort of that analogy where ultimately can stand up and say yeah. Give us our culture back, right? Give let's elevate this music platforms to what it truly belong, where it truly belongs, right? We're sick and tired of these, you know, three chord hacks and this pop culture, right? But again, listen to what you want, but the, that element of manufacturing—it's not music anymore. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's we really need to find the divide between music and entertainment. Mm-hmm. Call them entertainers, don't call them musicians because that's a slap on the face of all the people that I grew up listening to. And it really offends me. Right? Not even for my music. I'm saying the people that I listen to. I'm not I'm not right. Those were real musicians and they built something out of their human experiences. Right. Yeah. Uh you know, you take Australian literature, right? It's built on human experiences and it's tied to the land, right? And that's what American blues is. It's so beautiful. Uh, I mean, to me, I find it so beautiful in the sense that that's what human experiences were like and they captured it in this uh, in this sort of audiophonic format where they sang it. You can't degrade it to the point where it's just because it's not pop culture. I mean, in the sense it's not popular, doesn't mean literally or really. So, so I think um, these big institutions need to sort of re-examine their own values and bring these two, at least these two genres, back to the forefront of what they authentically were, yeah. and recognize the part they played in, in the in the history of your of, of American culture. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, we go into various different tirades throughout the history of this podcast on same various thing, you know, like I, I've been very outspoken against the overproduced, you know, kind of cookie cutter, cookie cutter thing that's been, been shoved down our throats. Like it, we definitely, I know for a fact, we talked about it earlier this week. It was, you know, like when you go, you were, you were 
you were talking about blues music and like country music country music i think is like the biggest offender right now of just reproduce find somebody steps outside the box oh that works let's milk that until the cows come home and see what happens and then they just kind of mimic each other until you know and just like even when you go to nashville you know they're set up in such a way that they're just getting the content out like you go into a studio you pay for six hours set and you've got a full full recording ready to go you know so it's and then you've got like musicians that everything starts sounding the same you know you got yeah so it's just i i completely agree with you that yeah because now now you have these generic formats i mean uh it's really interesting uh i mean who's that guy in sweden who writes pretty much all the music for uh for all these pop artists and whatnot there's this one one dude in sweden of all places right and uh, and I guess he composes everything. I just that that's that those are the those are the days where where you know I, I'm I'm not gonna sort of you know I I think I'm a hardworking musician right and uh, who's honestly trying to do something uh, you know preserve that traditionalism and uh, fill that void where you know we don't have Johnny Winter anymore right we don't. Yes. Uh, we don't have, uh, you know, all these guys. I mean, Clapton is going to phase away. The Rolling Stones are going to be done. They're not going to do this forever. Uh, I, I, again, I'm not saying that I'm all like me, right? I'm the beacon of hope of, uh, of music and rock and roll, right? I'm just saying that, look, some of us are honestly, authentically trying yeah. Uh to preserve that tradition, right? That we're not taking it, right? We're not saying, okay, okay. Uh, you know, let's, uh, I, and it's not like, you know, just re-recording uh, Satisfaction or, uh, you know, uh, paint it black on every opportunity and put it on YouTube, right? Um, that's been done. I, I always say, and I always say to new guitar players as well, that, you know, when they come and they're like, uh, oh, look at me, check out this new Stevie Ray lick that I learned, right? until they play it. And I said, look, man, what's the point of mimicking Stevie Ray? You do rely. He did it so well. He was a human anomaly. He did it so well. There's no point mimicking Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. There's only one Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. That's it and that's all. Use him as a platform to create your own identity. Yep. Yeah, and preserve the tradition, but become your own guitar player. Yep. You know, That's, and yeah, I think right now that like, because I know for a fact there's several bands that are just kind of in their own city or state that just kind of they're like traditional rock bands that are a hundred percent authentic. They have their own sound. They have their own thing and you know they're just kind of living in their area because either because it's from like i mean i'm not a musician so correct me if i'm wrong but if you're a musician with a full band it's a lot harder to get out into 
because unless you've got like huge backing behind you that you can afford to have four or five people go out on the road, it's a lot harder to get out and do like national tours or regional tours or whatever. Um, so I think a lot of like the traditional rock bands are kind of in their stuck in their loop right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, fair but, enough, man. And uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of sad uh, when I see sort of you know the state of music. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a I'm as big of a of a culprit in this as anyone else. But uh, you know, uh, it's it's kind of unfortunate that now what you see are legacy act. Right. So when you have, say, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison and Joan Jett going on this huge stadium tour. Right. Um, fair enough. Right. Go ahead and do it. But um, give way uh, in the sense help. Why don't these bands help new artists within the same mold? Yeah, to come out and and back them, right? Um, that's that's a so to, to me. I always found that to be a little. Uh, it's it's a little bit tragic. I mean, it's like as if uh, post Nirvana. I mean, uh, nothing good ever came of rock and roll, right? Um, yeah. And that was pretty much it, right? I mean, use that sort of tandem of Guns and Roses and Nirvana pretty much was the finale of. Uh, of rock and roll, right? And yeah. uh, rock music, and yeah, of course you had these uh, nine, but it, but it became so generic and it became so uh, uh, so. Sometimes you think it was so constructed, right? It, it was again going back to that term you use, authenticity. It just seemed to to really be devoid of that level of authenticity. Yeah. Um. And then, uh. And it's tough, man. It's it's tough for bands to go out and tour now. And uh, uh, again, uh, even you know, from the from sort of the, the research that I've been doing, um, and I'll I'll give you a really good example though. Uh, you know, when I got back into music, so I started researching right and how music is promoted, distributed, and whatnot, and, uh, uh, how it's sort of sent out to the masses because i you know you and i probably came from the old school right where it was uh a band uh released a record put out a cd we stood in line we bought the cd and we went home with this yep. material artifact right yep. and then we waited for them to go on tour and we went, saw them they went on a two three year tour and then they went back and we were excited to hear about the fact that they were going back to the studio assuming they stayed together right uh and so 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 that it it was a pretty regimented process back then and so anyway so i started i started researching music and how it's done now and um so i saw like a a whole host hundreds of youtube videos right on this yeah but man you know one thing not one single video and i'm not lying to you not a single video was about how to develop your audience yeah. in a live show. Yeah. Every single video was Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook, Instagram. And I was like, what the what the hell is music relegated to, man? I mean, what, like you got to have an Instagram account. That, that's all it is. Not one dude, not one. And some of them, I mean, some of these guys are very skilled, you know, 
Um, fair enough. I'm not taking anything away from that, right? Um, but not one single video about touring. Yeah. And to me, right? So, so I'm sort of sitting there going, all right, I'm doing my homework, and I'm like, uh, hmm. When are they going to get to the touring aspect? And they didn't. And to me, it was that was a little bit of a red flag going, look, for someone like myself, um, I figured that we're not, you know, the kind of music that we play, right? And I call out in my first single off on, on the whole EP, right? Drowning Man is Blues, right? I, I, called, I called it out, the, the, the situation, right? That... Uh, um, radio man don't play no blues. Corporate man don't have no clue, right? Uh, it's in the lyrics of my of the single, right? That fact that read blues and blues rock is really not uh, that big of an audience for, and that's okay, right? We're okay with that in our in our skin, in our identity of who we are. Um, but the fact that um, you don't have this push for these kind of bands uh, anymore is because these big record labels and these big record companies have uh, essentially um, told the audiences that look, this is your option, right? I mean, for the you know, again, please, I, I'm really not trying to offend anyone. I'm just being one specific musician. Yeah, but the fact that you now you have these K-pop bands, boy bands, and um, these, they're not, that's not music, right? I'm going to, from my authentic perspective, that's not music. That's a manufactured product. That's the equivalent of a shampoo that you go and buy at the store shelf, right? Mm-hmm. That's not music, man. Um, yes, you know, um, We've always had these sort of manufactured elements in in pop culture and whatnot, but we always still gave room for the rock, blues, country music element to authentic country, not pop country, right? We gave them that element to to sort of sustain themselves. But in all honesty, um, my sort of my new microscopic experience, it's a battle, man. I mean, it's a huge battle that, that we're sort of facing right now. Where, um, where's the audience, right? And so, so anyone out there listening, I mean, go up big into, you know, I mean, stand up, man, give give blues rock bands a chance. Yeah. Right? What you know, uh, you it's you, the audience, that can now really sort of try and take control back from these big companies. And say, Look, give up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to to kind of um, piggyback off that a little bit, and uh, you know, just it it's interesting because I think there's a lot of bands touring wise that they get to a certain level. And I'm saying this to kind of lead into a story that I that I've learned. Uh, or that I um, something that I just recently rediscovered. I think once bands get to like a certain level, they're afraid to lose what they have. So like, let's say a band's able to break out of their like little regional tour of 
20 some odd cities that they go to on a semi-regular basis. Um, in 2009, I went to a Metallica concert. Um, the lineup was this band named the, the opener was this band named the sword, this other band, um, machine head and then Metallica. So that was kind of like, that was the lineup two months ago or right before two months before the uh, pandemic hit, I saw a lineup card for an upcoming tour and the sword was still doing opening gigs for national touring acts. And that's 11 years later. And it's like, yo, you guys were pretty good back in 2009. Like, I mean, I, I, I still don't know their, like what their lineage is because you know, I just didn't do the research into them, but it's just kind of like, but 11 years as a national opener, like, why aren't you out doing your own tours? Why aren't you doing like something? Why, you know, so I think some bands kind of get to that point where it's like, well, we're doing pretty good. So I think we're good with that. And they just kind of get complacent with their, with their music, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that, that 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 that's honestly true. Uh, uh, I I do honestly agree with you there. Where I think um, there's a sense, psychological sense of defeatism, um, where rock bands, I think at a again at a psychosocial level, we we just presume that uh, we're not uh, the, the sort of uh, model of uh, music anymore, right? And again, you can trace it back to whether it was MTV or when it was uh, record companies, or whether prior to that, whether it was, uh, the, the record, you know, the record companies just milking bands for money that they didn't even realize they were making. I mean, the history of it is so dubious, right? It's so dark. Yeah. Um, the fact that you know, yeah, you know, it's, uh, what was it? The manager of Ecstasy said one said uh, it was funny that well, the five of them thought they were rebelling against the world, but the rest of us were just making money off them, right? And that that's so profound, right? Um, and I think that mentality still persists, but it's even worse now because uh, come on, man, when you you know when I was growing up. And I saw the MTV Music Awards in what was 1991. Um, you had everything from uh, Nirvana to Aerosmith giving that absolutely quintessential performance of Dream On to all these rock bands, uh, you know, from uh, being broadcast live. And none of that exists anymore, right? Um, how many rock bands do we actually see? I mean, I, I still remember when Stadium Arcadian won a bunch of Grammys. And uh, I still remember just watching the Grammys just because of being a big Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. The only reason I saw the Grammys was because of the Red Hot Chili Peppers and their nomination. And, uh, and I still remember Chad Smith uh, getting up on stage and he said, we need more rock bands. Yeah. Get out there and form more rock bands. I, I, that quote unquote, that's what he said. Get out there and form rock band, right? Yeah. And if 
that's not a profound statement uh, from someone who's up there within the industry doing what he's done um, at the peak of his, uh, you know, I guess his uh, fame saying, this is what we need. Mm-hmm. That's clearly, to me, that's a social indicator that rock and blues and old school country is uh, is, is fading, and it, I think it's a, it's a it's a cultural tragedy. It's an absolute cultural tragedy that these genres and these formats are slowly fading away, um, because the history of uh, modern music is tied to to these uh, to these genres, right? Um, but uh, equally so, I think you're right. That there's a sense of complacency and there's a sense of fear. Right? And the fear is that, look, um, and I'll tell you, I've experienced that myself, right? Multiple people have asked me, and they say, what the hell, dude? I mean, it's a great record. I like what you're saying. Um, but that's not going to do anything, right? I mean, yeah. uh, who the hell is going to listen to this, right? Yeah. Um, so to me, the question is, um, I think there are a couple of questions here. One is, um, how do you distinguish yourself from being traditional music artist as opposed to being a YouTube artist? Right, that's one. Second is, how do you distinguish yourself from being uh, a traditional musician as opposed to an entertainer? Right. And these two questions become vital to the survival of any any music act right now. If you take the YouTube slash entertainer route, you're set. Right. Um, you can just record, like I said, you can be a three-chord hack and record uh, a whole host of versions of I Can't Help Falling In Love With You and Unchained Melody and whatnot, right? And get millions of hits. Uh, and I think that's a bit of a travesty, right? That's a little brutal to all the hard-working garage bands who start from nothing, including myself, who sit in the room, right? Spend all their life earning, right? Buying uh, gear, spend all, invest all the time into learning your craft, good or for bad. Spend the hours, right? Dedicate yourself. Get a day job. Work your day job. Slug it through. Then get home. You know, balance that equation with your girlfriends and your wives and say, look, this is what I want to do. And you do that and still get no recognition for it. Mm-hmm. That, that's an absolute cultural crime. Yeah. Uh, it's it's hard and how do you now the question becomes how do you give these people the incentive to do this to preserve traditional music preserve blues preserve rock and roll when you have nothing to gain from it anyway when your big record companies when your big ENR guys when your executives are saying yeah whatever dude I mean we can make 10 times money over a K-pop manufactured band that's gonna you know you can the hours that you invest 
in writing a song in the in that same equivalent amount of hours they will get generate millions and millions and millions and millions of youtube hits why the hell should i invest in you how do you how do you get rock fans out there well where are the rock fans Stop getting on YouTube and complaining and listening to old school stuff and saying, all right, I, I wish there was more of this. Well, go out and dig up new stuff, man. There are bands out there. Help them. Right? Help them. You know, it's not me. You, you don't like my music. That's okay. Help other students rock that. Yeah. You, right? don't have to, you don't have to yeah. like every... You don't have to like everybody. You just... Yeah. Find the one that you really do like. You either yeah. whether it's because you connect with their music or whatever whatever the connection is, um just get out there and support them. Yeah, support them, help them buy the stuff, give them the incentive that they still wanted. Right? It's it's the it's a basic psychological human condition, man. There's it's no rocket science. If you're not feeling wanted you're not going to bring any degree of motivation. That, that drive that you have, that motivation level, it will drop. How can you motivate people to, drive, to, to get into this? And, you know, people who are brilliant guitar players, right, who could probably form brilliant blues rock bands. What instead, it's, it's, again, it's a, that, simple human psychosocial condition that if they have no drive for it why should they mm-hmm. right so they're relegated doing their daytime jobs and that's that's you know that's the same thing for, look i just took a gamble in life right i all i did was i took a gamble in life and i said you know what man on my deathbed it's a simple question again going back to jim morrison i have a door statue on my on my you know uh arm here Mm-hmm. Right, it's a simple question. At the end of the ultimate question is, did you live a life good enough to base a movie on? Right, or oh, he did it. Right, and the question that I ask myself every day is, um, do I want to really? I get limited time, man. As human beings, we have what seventy, seventy-five years to live. In that microscopic time based on cosmological events, right? We live nothing. We're, we're nothing. Yeah. What do I want to do at the end of my life that I can look back on and say, you know what? I did it my way, right? Uh, that's what I wanted to do. I took a gamble. I took a chance. I'm unapologetic about it, right? If people come and say, oh, nobody listens to this blues rock crap anymore, right? That's okay. You may not listen to me. Out there, maybe a kid does. Right. Out there, maybe somebody, five people on YouTube might like it. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. They might go to Johnny Winter. Uh, um, I, I still listen to Johnny Winter on YouTube. Right. Um, see his live recordings. I see old Clapton recordings. I see old Lightning Hopkins documentaries and stuff. I literally still watch blues documentaries all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, wow, this is so fascinating. But you know, part of the problem, man, why don't they teach this in schools? Yeah. Why are you not teaching this part of American culture in schools? Oh my God, you have one of the richest elements 
of human history right there, where it came out of the pain and suffering of people. And they built this into this absolutely amazing format of music. Why is this not being taught in school? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm, yeah. But um, so as um as you kind of push forward with your musical career you're getting ready to release another set of another ep is it in Jan- yeah, or yeah. You're, you're talking about december december uh, what, what's kind of the plan moving forward after that are you just going to continue releasing eps or do you want to eventually do like a full length or uh you know man again just unfortunately for good or for bad we're so so bound to the modern, uh, the you know, uh, modern digestion of music, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I personally think the album is now um, history, right? Uh, why I personally like EPs is a because uh, four tracks, pick the best ones, go for it, put them out there. So the circulation rate is faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, second thing, um, again, the format, the mediums by which music is now being played is what Spotify, Apple, iTunes. Uh, I don't even know what the hell TikTok is, by the way. I've never yeah. seen it. I keep hearing about it. Uh, it sounds pretty ridiculous to me, but uh, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, I, I honestly don't know what it is, right? Uh, and so, uh, so at least what the EP does allow me to do is zone in, record uh, four tracks, and put them out. Zone in, record four tracks, put them out. Um, already, for example, I mean, I really, you know, uh, uh, I was listening to old Aerosmith, the new Aerosmith, um, Johnny Winter, and um, already I've, in my head, I have like all these riffs flying around, and now the new record, uh, for assemblies, you know, I'm doubling down, man. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm honestly doubling down. I mean, uh, you know, on the pole is a straight up blues rock record. Um, those who like it, awesome. Welcome to the caravan, right? I mean, I hope you enjoy. You know, I'm not uh, going to shift gears. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm doubling down and recording an even more raucous, raunchy blues rock record. Yeah. Um, and I told I told the guys yesterday as well. I said, "Get ready, we're, December. We're releasing an even more angrier, bluesier rock record." Yeah. Uh, and and we're doubling down, man. We're, we're honestly, I, I'm holding my ground. Um, you know, in the sense, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna uh, cater to. Uh, the, the sort of general yeah opinion, uh, you know so so I said you know what that's it I, I've got all these riffs and I'm gonna double down and make an even more raucous record and hopefully we'll get that out by December once this whole lockdown thing start man if it ever gets done dude uh we'll be on the road next summer man and yeah. that way at least we'll have so much music behind us yeah. And hopefully we can, you know, do a club tour and, uh, you know, get people on board, man. Yeah. Uh, 
that that'll be the really exciting thing is if bands have really been doubling down and you know even if they haven't been able to release music because they don't have access to a studio or you know whatever any limitations may be at least next summer or next year next summer whenever like tour season really starts to kick back off we should be like some of your favorite bands should have a whole bunch of brand new music to play live for you. So that's, that's gotta be really exciting for any music enthusiast, whether it's blues music, country music, hip hop, you know, whatever, whatever your poison, you know, it, they've got, there's gotta be there. There's gotta be some light at the end of the tunnel to think, okay, come when everybody starts touring again, there's going to be new music and we're going to enjoy it. So that's going to be awesome. But um, where can everybody kind of find you online? Where can they find your music? All that fun stuff. Yeah. uh, Just you, um, you can head out to our website. It's uh, www.izzyscaravan.com. That's uh, I-Z-Z-I-E-S caravan.com. Tons of stuff. I mean, it's one of the most action-packed websites you come across. And I mean, we have everything up there. But yeah, we're uh, for good or for bad. We're on Facebook as well. Uh, Izzy Scaravan, Instagram. Um, uh, just go. What is it? Uh, Instagram.com/slash Izzy Scaravan. Yeah. Uh, again, I keep saying I know what I look like, so don't expect too many selfies of me. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, if you're into my guitars and stuff like that, yeah. and my cat, who literally, I think, is uh, the sole owner of my life and my Instagram account, you'll find tons of pictures of her. And uh, uh, definitely check out YouTube. We have tons of stuff on YouTube. In fact, uh, over the next week or so, uh, we're doing a couple of segments on uh, meeting the band, uh, behind the music. Um, where I'll be speaking about all the songs and all the tracks and stuff. So there's tons of stuff coming on YouTube as well. So do subscribe, um, you know, and get out there and support blues, rock bands, people, right? We need it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you want to hear some of the, what a, some of Izzy's uh, older stuff from 2006, I think that's also on your website as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all free, by the way. Where, where we put everything up on a website for free. You want to hear, download all the tracks, you can get it from free, for free on our website, right? uh, from our website. Go, go nuts, dude. Awesome. Uh, just spread the message. We need blues rock musicians to get out there, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I want to thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with us. It, this was a great conversation. I think, you know, just just kind of shining the light on needing more good blues, authentic rock music, you know, just the whole gamut. It it was a great conversation. I really appreciate you sitting down and chatting with us. I appreciate everybody for sitting in and listening and enjoying. Um, but until next time, I will see you guys later. <laughs>